This episode of Grease the Polls is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, where you can bet $5 on any sport and win $200 in free bets instantly. All you need to do is sign up with the link in the description, and you'll get $200 instantly after you place your first bet of $5 or more. Everyone could use some extra betting money, so don't let this opportunity go to waste. And with that, let's get into the episode. What is going on, everyone, and welcome into another episode of Grease the Poles. Our Eagles, they escaped with a W on Sunday. They won 17-16, 14 points in the fourth quarter, thanks in large part to Jalen Hurts, uh, not only through the air but with his legs, obviously, put the team on his back a little bit. And the Eagles were able to escape with a win, 9-1, and one, heading into week 11 now, or is it week 10 or, or 12? I think it's week 12. We'll say week 12. Uh, that sounds We'll go with that one. Well, that, that one sounds the most right. But um, look, it was an ugly win, right? It was a very ugly win. Um, it was one of those wins where, like, you're obviously glad to come away with it with a W because every win is hard in this league. Every player will tell you that. But it was also the Colts. It was also Jeff Saturday, curly-headed coach, and Matt Ryan. So it's like you only won by one point. There's like, you know, you can be that guy that's pissed off about it or you can be that guy that still celebrates it. I tend to find myself in the middle with it. I think there's good and bad to take away from it. Um, so let's, you know, let's just start off with the good. And I already mentioned him, Jalen Hurts. Um, we all know that dude is looking for a heavy payday at the end of the year. And it's performances like that that'll get him that hefty contract, right? Uh, winning games by any means necessary in the fourth quarter. That's what great quarterbacks in this league do. I think Jalen Hurts has very much solidified his status as one of those top-tier guys. Obviously, the playoffs, we want to see it in the playoffs as well. That, you know, we got to really wait until that moment. But when you see in the regular season, you see the crumbs, you see what this guy is made of when push comes to shove. I have no complaints. I'm, you know, that I have no complaints with the guy at this point. Um, so how are you guys feeling with Jalen Hurts? at this point after what we saw on Sunday against the Colts. I'm it's it's pretty hard not to feel good about I mean it's I mean we felt good about Jalen Hurts all season long. He's come in, answered every question that we've had. And I mean obviously he did it again with his legs to uh seal that victory there out of pretty much snatching it from the from from the jaws of defeat after some just you know, horrific play from our offensive line, some ball security issues yet again, which I do not like to see at this point but right now we're focusing on the good of course Jalen Hurts being the number one thing to write home about but I also do want to talk about that defense too because they really kept us in it when the offense was sputtering and Jalen Hurts was able to take a one of the worst performances from our offensive line and turn it into something that was still a win obviously not the win that any of us predicted even though I had a pretty uh, big you know spread predicted at 10 points I think there was 20 plus point victories from both of you guys predicted and I felt like after, I walked away from that feeling like it was low I really did I was like wow I really kind of walked out of there uh, feeling bad about my pick but now looking back on it I'm like wow like that was an ugly game in the trenches both sides but Jalen Hurts I mean look is it I never you know you don't really see Jalen Hurts lead a lot of game winning drives this year you know, we've been up pretty big throughout or, you know, we've been we've been shut down by some pretty heinous turnovers. 
Uh, th that's how our game ending drives have usually been. A lot of them end with us just kneeling the clock out this year. So to see him face adversity against a team that is, it's not a good team, but they shut down that Kansas City Chiefs offense, that's for sure. And if we were able to come out with a win, and they weren't, regardless of all the turmoil that they've gone through uh, since that game, I mean, the players were there. I mean, the matchups were there. They're the same guys pretty much that that Kansas City team faced, obviously led by a curly-headed uh, head coach, which which gave us the advantage. Yes. And uh, also had, had, had Nick Sirianni playing with a chip on his shoulder. But regardless of all of that, Jalen Hurts was the man of the moment. 100% of the way, finding his way into the end zone when, you know, the, the pass, no, nobody was getting open. He, he pretty much was, we were forced to run the ball pretty much every play on that last drive because we just couldn't get any separation and it just wasn't happening. And Jalen Hurts still found a way to get it done. And I mean, I don't see how you don't feel incredible about it. I mean, Frankie, Frankie heaters over here. How are you feeling about Jalen Hurts? How are you feeling about, uh, how are you feel about the birds right now? sitting as the best team in football officially. I feel like Jalen Hurts proved he's a guy that can win. And when things are going south, which they do, you know, any given Sunday, anything can happen. You can have a team with a curly-headed head coach who is less talented than you, hang around, take a lead, have their foot on your throat. The Colts had their foot on the Eagles' throat in the fourth quarter. That game was over. It was a funeral march. He turned it into the goddamn Thanksgiving Day Parade. Just marching down the field, scoring touchdowns. Like, well, a touchdown. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But <clears throat> one of those things where winning quarterbacks win games like that. They win ugly games. They win when it looks stupid, when it looks like you don't have a shot. They just find a way. Jalen Hurts is proving himself week in and week out. He's not the reason we're losing games in that one game we lost. He's the reason we're in games we have a chance to win, which is all you can ask for for a quarterback at the NFL level. And then you add on just the the X factors and the talent that he has. I mean, you're talking about a hefty payday. I, I, I think he's more than earning it. Obviously, he's got to do something in the playoffs to show it. But, I mean, it's been... Such a pleasant surprise this year with him. Really ecstatic about... I, I, I walked away from that win. I was so down heading into the end of that game that when they managed to win, like, you know, I, I kind of felt like... I felt like Nick Sirianni. Not the weird emotional attachment that he has to Frank Reich or anything like that. Just... That was a lot. It was... That was a bit off-putting, you know. It reminded me of, like, the... Champ kind scene in a uh, in Anchorman when he's crying. It's like <laughs> Frank. After all this is over, me and you, we we, we got to get an apartment together. Like, yeah, calm down, Nick. <laughs> I miss your I miss your smell, Frank. <laughs> I miss your Musk. Yeah, it's a little. So that, that was yeah. So I but that's that's the love that uh, uh, that only an Italian can have for another man. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is truly yes. That is truly that that level of platonic potentially. <laughs> Love that that oh, that is only truly possessed by 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 Italian American men. It's truly something remarkable. Uh, it, it's like they're they're male friends and they're mothers. Like those are the those are the two full levels of of those are the pinnacle of love right there that that can be achieved. And Sirianni had it on full display, and it was it was a little odd at first, but you know what? He got the win. I'll take Emotions it. were high. I'll I mean, do it. I love my guy crying on the shoulder of his GM? I mean, I don't want to be. I mean, is me not liking it? 
toxic masculinity? Am I part of the problem if I don't like it? You know, so th- these are the questions that we have to ask ourselves. Yeah. Well, I mean, we need uh, guys like not us. Af- not after a win like that. Yeah. We not need- after a win like we can gloss over all of it. We need guys like us that are going to be weirded out by that to like keep that in check. You know? Exactly. We don't want it happening after every game. But sure, your mentor just got cut down. You know, you you go and you you you, you avenge him. And okay, sure. But uh, pull it together. Come on. Yeah, it was it, it was Skywalker, um, you know, of, you know, uh, avenging Obi Wan is what happened there. It was it. That's that's that's. Oh, what happened. it was that <laughs> is no, yeah, because it's, yeah, uh, what's his name would be uh, Darth Vader would have been the curly headed coach Jeff Saturday, and then would it be Jeff Saturday or would it be Jim Irsay? No, Jim Irsay's Palpatine. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm glad we fully fleshed out this. Yeah. This is the Eagles analysis everybody wants to hear. This I is, think it is. Look, I mean, you're not getting this at the Athletic. I'm telling you that much. And you have to pay for that. So, grease the poles. Yeah, I mean, Star Wars and football are, are I mean, two peas in a pod. I mean, what, what's more, what's more, you know, what's more grease the poles than Star Wars and, and football? I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, I think, you know, Sirianni, he definitely coached emotionally throughout that game. I think you can kind of tell with some of the decisions we made. Um, like the fourth and 10 call when we were, um, I think on like our own, like we weren't on our own side of the field, but we were on like the 40 or 40, 45, somewhere in that area. Like, yeah. And our defense was playing well enough to, you know, let's pin them deep and like, see what we can do. Um, they were really playing on that type of level, but you know, we drew up a play. It obviously didn't work. Jalen Hurts got sacked, lost yards. You know, I I think he definitely had a, a bit of an emotional edge, but can, you know, it can be a deterrent for coaches sometimes. If emotions get in the way, you're not thinking absolutely clearly, right? Like, I think that definitely played a factor. But I would do want to say one thing, one more thing about Hurts before we talk about this defense, because they, you know, they deserve uh, some of our some of our kind words for sure. Um, I think Jalen Hurts was robbed of this moment, you know, two weeks ago against Washington, right? Like. Obviously, he could have played better throughout that whole game, too, to help us get to the point where we actually had a, a real chance to win. But the fumbles were the fumbles, right? Like, he still hit Quez Watkins on a deep play that nine times out of ten, Watkins is walking into the end zone untouched on that. He inexplicably tripped, fumbles the ball. What are you going to do? Um, and we talked, you know, we've talked ad nauseum about the Dallas Goddard play as well. Like, I I, I would have, if Jalen Hurts would have had a true opportunity where his teammates weren't fumbling the football i think he would have won that game as well so it's just nice one week later to get a little bit of vindication there for fans who were like you know on that on that side of the argument saying look jalen hurts clearly looks like the guy that can do that it's just circumstances context all that shit matters in these type of situations and his teammates kind of let him down a little bit this week even though we we're fumbling it, uh, right? AJ Brown inexplic- inexplicably fumbles it. Jalen Hurts had what a fumble the fuck of his was own. That? Yeah, that <laughs> oh, the AJ man. Brown one really pissed me off. Not only because I wanted us to fucking score, but he's on my fantasy team. Fucked me a little bit. Ooh. But um, even with all the um, you know turmoil surrounding that final fourth quarter, Jalen Hurts was able to just run around, make shit happen, and lead the Eagles to a victory. And I guess so we'll just segue right to the defense because he has his defense to thank for keeping him close enough to win that game in the fourth quarter. And look, Jonathan Gannon, 
whatever you think about the guy, I know he has a lot of haters in this city. Um, Too I think skinny. We're, pro- we're probably all, you know, at fault for at one point or another saying, fire this fucking guy. Um, but look, he's a pretty solid defensive coordinator. I I have feel comfortable saying that. Um, I will be the Jonathan Gannon apologist if I have to be. Um, I think he's a pretty damn good defensive coordinator. I think he made a lot of solid adjustments. Obviously, having a Dominic Sue Limbaugh Joseph helps against the run. But after that first drive, um, Jonathan Taylor averaged, what, 2.3 yards per carry? Um, look, that's defensive adjustments. I think the Eagles, I think the defensive coaching staff as a whole has put these guys in great positions to succeed. They cause turnovers. They get sacks. And look, they were able to stop the run on Sunday, something that I think everyone was – obviously had huge question marks around after the Washington game. And they were able to hold arguably the best running back in the league to 2.3 yards carry after that first drive. So um, Jonathan Gannon, you're probably not listening, but Hey, you have my support, man. I don't know if you have the the overall support of the city, but you have my support. All right. Brian Cass endorsement there. No, first of all, no. Jonathan <laughs> Gannon gets no credit. Gets absolutely no credit. I'm, I'm mostly joking. All I'm right. mostly joking. It's it's there's something about this city we love to hate our defensive coordinator. I don't know what I, Jim Schwartz was the same way. Grant, granted, we for, we for some reason choose guys to play the most infuriating schemes at times, which is part of what was the issue with Schwartz and part of what we're dealing with now with with Gannon. But obviously, yeah, he definitely made adjustments. But I want to give a like a serious round of applause for Linval Joseph and uh, Nadamikin Sue because look, what sure you can credit it to Jonathan Gannon making defensive adjustments to them stopping the run. But I think it was these guys have not played an NFL game in like a year, months and months and months since they've seen the field. They took a drive to warm up a little bit. And then they, then they were able to shut it down because look, it's not that I didn't think about Jordan Davis at all during this game. It's not like I didn't miss him whatsoever, but they have, they are doing exactly what Howie Roseman brought them in here to do. It's, I mean, it, I never saw – he basically was – I mean, they were the flex seal for this defensive line. Like, there was a lot of damage with Jordan Davis being out for, you know, for a few weeks. And just Howie Roseman went and took two fantastic older de- defensive tackles and just slapped them over the hole in the D-line and 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 pretty much sealed the league. It was remarkable uh, to see. Now, they didn't play with their hair on fire or anything like that. I'm not saying, like, holy shit, uh, they've supplanted Jordan Davis, but – Big shout-out to those guys, especially because – and, look, I don't want to call out Darius Slay or anything, but he, look, he's he been – he's still Darius Slay. I'm not ever going to be anti-Slay, but past couple of weeks, including this Colts game, was a little shaky. So the fact that we were able to stop the run and, you know, not really allow them to have a complimentary run pass play off of each other, uh, especially with a very limited aging quarterback in Matt Ryan – was huge for you know it's secondary that was still you know we're still a very good secondary but had not been up to snuff against Washington and uh you know they were able to kind of come back uh into their own a bit in part because of the fantastic play up front stopping the run so that's fantastic to see that's what I know this is a bad football team I know Jeff Saturday shouldn't be anywhere near an NFL sideline which I actually kind of disagree with I mean if you're a center for that many years in in football, like I feel like you know enough about football, and if you've won a Super Bowl, I feel like you can just go. I feel like you can coach at that point, especially when you're a head coach. You know what I mean? They can kind of take a like a figurehead position and have really good coordinators. I don't know if they have that in Indy beneath him, but 
I think the whole freak out about Saturday getting hired was a little overblown. But uh, I'm glad we beat the curly-haired son of a bitch anyway. I do love that we've latched onto that. Uh, I was thinking about that the entire game, Frank. And I have to that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we we went in there. We It wasn't pretty. But once again, we had people on Twitter saying, coming out of the Wilbur, oh, you almost lost to the Colts. Almost does not mean fucking shit in the NFL. There's nothing almost about a win. You went in there. We sure... We got away with one uh, with that missed field goal, which I'm, I'm amazed it took us 15 minutes to bring up. But <laughs> it's been in the back of my mind the whole time. But we went in there, and we got a win. And meanwhile, what are these people on Twitter doing? They're sitting tweeting about the Philadelphia Eagles. They're sitting thinking about the Philadelphia Eagles. And do I feel for them? A little bit. A little bit. But they brought it on themselves. And they're going to continue to be obsessed with this team uh, until the end of the season. And I'm sure after the season, once we hoist the Lombardi trophy, they'll be equally as obsessed trying to poke holes in our resume the same way they do with greatness. I mean, it's what they do. Uh, uh, sure. Do we show a ton of greatness on Sunday? Eh. Jalen Hurts yeah. did. Jalen Hurts sure yeah. as fuck did. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Quez Watkins showed me a little greatness. I love, Just a, I, I love, I love a flashy greatness. I love him. Dude. I've been so high on Quez this whole time. He broke my heart last week, but it was so nice to see him get in the end zone. Yeah. It really was nice, and I think he might be start. He, he, I think he listened to you tell Yass that uh, that they have a better trio over in Cincinnati. Maybe I think you put Tyler <laughs> Boyd over Quez, and he tuned in because we got a shitload of listens. Shout out everyone that yeah. listened to that. That was that kind of popped off a little bit, which we love to see. We do, uh, and uh, so I do think it got across Quez's desk. And uh, he was not too pleased with your statement there. He understood he the assignment. And did a little something. He, he did the assignment. That's all. He I, came to play. And look, if my you know if my uh, propaganda against said player will get them to play better the next week, then I'll do it every week. I'll do it whenever uh, I need to. You know, <laughs> stop if, the fumbles. Like, Just stop yeah. them from fumbling the ball. Say AJ they Brown. can't help themselves. AJ Brown, you know? help me out, dude. Help me out. I'm in a play. Like I'm in a playoff race here in fantasy. I can't be having those fumbles. I need a big game. It's been a while. Um, the Pittsburgh game was huge. You got me 30 points. Uh, you know, sadly, I still lost that fantasy game because I was going against a uh, bunch of players who just ran up the score. But hey, um, you know, 15 points, man. 15 points. That's not that much to ask for. Let's see if so, he answers. <laughs> so. I kind of want to circle back a little bit, Jonathan Gannon, and why everybody hates him in this no. city. People just <laughs> oh, hate yes. him so much. Uh, I have my own personal misgivings about him. I feel like he's too skinny to be a great defensive coordinator. I want a big, fat, sloppy guy to be my defensive coordinator. I don't know what it is. Got to be big and fat. We're old and grizzled. He's neither of those things. He's neither. He's young so, and handsome. Yeah. I, oh, I, handsome. So, well, he kind of looks know, like Pee Wee Herman. But... You know, I mean, we got we have Pee Wee Herman on the sideline. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, so, I, at the end of the day, I think the reason why there's so much built up resentment towards him in this city, and this is nothing to do necessarily with the game or his scheme, because he does he he runs a lot of you know very basic stuff. He doesn't like to uh, doesn't like the blitz. A lot of people grew up, especially people my age. You know, if you're millennial or older, with Jim Johnson. And those Eagles defenses where all he did was blitz. All he did was throw linebackers and cornerbacks and the kitchen sink got thrown at quarterback. And I think there's there's like this yearning to see that. They want to see Darius Slay just come charging in 
and decapitate Matt Ryan. That's all they want. And until they get that, that's all they're going to that's all they're that's all they're going to think about is why aren't we blitzing? Where's the blitz at? Where are we getting any pressure? The reality is that the style of defense that you know Jonathan Gannon calls, and to the same degree Jim Schwartz as well before, it's more conducive to the way that the game is played today, which is try to limit the damage as much as you can. Try not to give up a big play. Rely on the the skill of your personnel. To do their job. Your defensive linemen are supposed to get to the quarterback. Trust that your cornerbacks and your, you know, your secondary is going to do its job and give them enough time to do that. Uh, everything has to work in concert. And it can be very frustrating when you have a, a game manager like Tyler Heineke, for instance. Uh, feeling blood just pool in the back of my eyes. I'm saying his goddamn name. Just it feels like he's like cutting you to death, like like a, like a thousand paper cuts to kill you. Yeah. But you know, Howie Roseman went out. He got two veteran defense. He they saw this is a perfect example. This win and this defensive performance is a perfect example of the front office and the coaching staff working hand in hand in concert with each other. In order for Gannon's scheme to work. You know, we needed we needed big bodies up front. We needed skilled defensive tackles. They went out and got two of them. You can't ask for any more than that. The results speak for themselves. Uh, regardless of being against the Colts, they suck. Blah blah blah. Jonathan Taylor's nothing to sn- nothing to sneeze at. This is a team like you said. They beat the Chiefs. They're n- they're not a joke. They're not that bad that we can afford to laugh them off. So there, there's something to be said for what they were able to do on Sunday and being able to, to win like that. I, I feel like it was a very convincing defensive win, uh, and it was good to see Jalen Hurts pull it out at the end. Absolutely. Um, so let's move on a little bit to the next upcoming matchup here against Green Bay. Yes. Um, the debut of the all-black jersey with the black helmet. We've already seen the black jersey and black pants, obviously, throughout – the past i don't know seven eight years but we're gonna be unveiling our official black helmets this weekend sunday night aaron Rodgers. um i think like coming off the heels of this victory i still think this team and like i said you know i said on the last episode i'm still waiting to see four quarters of just excellent football um teams around the league have have done that teams that we're gonna compete for in the nfc right like you know, I, I hate to even mention this team on this podcast, but Cowboys no, just had four quarters it. of dominant football. Ugh, I want to see you. that. I would like <sighs> to see that. I would like to see that. I would like to see us do that to Green Bay. Um, the 49ers, they just kind of put the fucking beat down on the Cardinals. I know the Cardinals beat up, but they just absolutely put the beat down on them. That's what I want to see. Um, put Aaron Rodgers out of his misery already. Um, force this guy to ask for a trade in the offseason. All right. Like, just 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 force him out of there already because i i'm i'm quite frankly sick and tired of seeing him losing in the first round of the playoffs so if he could just go to a team that's better maybe in the afc uh so we won't have to see him until the super bowl you know maybe we're doing him a favor by kicking his ass this week you never know um but that's what i want to see i mean that's what i want to see every week obviously but this is a prime time game 
you just had a primetime letdown, you know, two weeks ago. Um, and the Packers kind of sort of figured a little bit out. They got Christian Watson, that receiver, who's actually playing like a good wide receiver now. Obviously, they have good running backs. Um, when they run, when they can run the ball effectively, they can beat anyone. Um, you know, I just mentioned the Cowboys. The Green Bay Packers just beat the Cowboys. So, you know, for what it's worth, like, you know, any given Sunday. Um but that's how I'm feeling going in this game. I just feel like we match up well with them, obviously. I think we match up well with almost every team in the league. Um, and I just – and, you know, we just got finished talking about Jonathan Gannon's Eagles defense. I think a lot of people still have that worry of when we see a really good quarterback, we're fucked. And Aaron Rodgers is a pretty damn good quarterback. Um, I know people, you know, don't like him because of what he, you know, what he stands for off the field, whatever. I don't give a shit. He's really good at throwing the football and – throwing touchdowns and um i'd like to see the eagles dominate a guy that's good at throwing passes and throwing touchdowns and that's really my ask this week of the eagles what say you guys i think we're gonna blow them out i don't think it's gonna be close (laughs) right right on dude i knew i could count on you as you crack i love the the, i i'm so dude I the really sound do. design on this episode is unreal. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> the production value is going up and up and up and up. It's ridiculous. No, I feel like Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback. I'm not looking to take anything away from him. Uh, I know he loves to dabble in hallucinogenics. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, I feel like he's a guy who tends to key in on one receiver. If If you can shut down his primary option... And you're able to effectively stop the run, which I think I think they proved. Packers don't have anybody nearly as good running the football as Jonathan Taylor. I don't care who the hell it is. There's no reason to expect this won't be a get-right game. I think that the Eagles are going to right the ship. I think that I, I think we're I think we're looking at a big win on Sunday. Honestly, I just I feel it in my bones. My bones could be wrong. I'm, I'm wrong about a lot of things, but. I I really I really do think this is going to be an easy win for the Eagles. I don't think they're going to sweat it at all. Well, I will be in the stand, so I really hope you're spot on. Oh, as will I. Oh hell yeah, hell Dogs. yeah, dude! Beer can brain coming to the fucking uh, link. That's a at the link. That's a cause for a dominant performance in itself. I agree. Can't we, let me down. Uh, and I I think we're gonna get it too. Not only because I know the whole team now listens. Uh, to the show, and not just because I know that uh, that Frank will be in attendance, and of course that will guarantee a victory as well. But I mean, look, we're just a better football team than the Green Bay Packers are right now. Uh, we have a better coach. We have a quarterback that's more invested. I want to say, uh, which uh, not, just Aaron Rodgers. Just uh, I mean, sure, yeah, he'll make those great throws every once in a while, but it, and he has always been kind of a quiet, disconnected guy. But right now, he just—I mean, he's just—I just don't think he's—he's he's just happy to be playing football for this team right now. And Frank, you're right; he does key on a, in on one receiver, and a big part of why he does that is because he's never had more than one good wide receiver at a time—at least yep. not since Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb. Nope. And I feel like that was—that was definitely before I could drink. I probably maybe that was like, like a decade right ago. When I could start maybe maybe when I got my learner's permit. Like <laughs> this is a long time ago since Aaron Rodgers has had more than one good receiver. Uh, that isn't a running back. And uh, you're right as well that Jonathan Taylor is better than anybody that they've got. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, they can fuck off. Uh, the, especially now if we're going to be having the kind of uh, you know run-stopping ability that we had against 
you know, a pretty damn good team in, uh, or at least at running the football in the Indianapolis Colts. I feel like we're going to be able to have that same success against the Green Bay Packers. And I think that Darius Slay, I mean, you saw Aaron Rodgers was talking today about how good Darius Slay is. I know they're going to be watching him heavily. So to be honest with you, I'm going to need James Bradbury to be really good because I know they're, they're, they're going to be dissecting Slay. And I know he hasn't been at, like I said, he hasn't been, 100% the best Darius Slay that we know that he can be over the just over the past couple weeks. And like you guys said, this will be a get-right game, 100%. I don't know if it'll be the massive blowout. I definitely might lean more towards like a, I, I, maybe like a 24-17 Eagles, but it'll be 24-10 to 10 until garbage time. And then we'll kind of – and I do – I do I am looking forward to a complete four quarters. I'm not – hopefully if there is any – serious offensive damage the Packers do. It's on that first drive in the same way the Colts did it. And then from there, we can kind of be sturdy. And uh, again, I look forward to seeing what Jalen Hurts is going to do. I love seeing him play every single night. And the fact that now he's going to be going up against one of the best quarterbacks to ever do it, and Aaron Rodgers, definitely one of the best in the league right now to ever do it, back-to-back MVP. And uh, I mean, come on. If he can go out there and outduel Aaron Rodgers, no matter how tr- – much he may be tripping balls no matter how much he may not be caring about you know the game that's going on and how bad his team is if we go out there and outduel him on prime time i cannot wait to see what the haters have to say on twitter then i will be turning on notifications for tweets from the from 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 those i deem uh worthy of 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 getting shit on for their past uh you know transgressions it's 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 gonna be a lot of fun if if and when they do win this game and i do think they will win this game so, is it crazy? Maybe. I don't care. Not uh, not at all. Well, I don't think it's crazy at all, but is that your official score prediction, 24-17? Yes. 24-17. All right, Frank, let's hear yours. 38-17. All right. I like that. I think I'm going to take a little bit of the, the, the middle road here, and I'm going to go 26-13. to 13. I still think they beat my double digits, but, you know, it's – it doesn't the scoreboard won't look as bad as maybe it actually is, right? You know what I mean? Like 20, right. 26 to 13. You know, you can you can be like, "Oh, maybe they were in the game." No, nah, I think it'll be kind of clearly the Eagles game to lose and I but I obviously don't think they're going to lose. I think they're going to win. Um so all right, we're three I think we've all every single game we've predicted so far, we've all picked the Eagles. So that's I mean, what else could you really expect? They're not well, giving we, as much of a choice, Brian. They're yeah, really they're not. not. I mean, were we supposed to pick Washington? No. Who I, the I'm hell not, was picking Washington? Look, I'm not. I'd I'm, rather chloroform myself live on air. Yeah, I'm not. Washington. I'm not. I think it's great. I think that's what we should do. I think every single <laughs> week we should pick the fucking Eagles. I don't care if we were one and nine. I'd, I'd, I'd pick them eventually, right? Like I would eventually. I would be right, you know. Um, it's all right. We have a very special guest for our next segment of the pod here. Um, we'll get him in here shortly. But, Frank, if you want to kind of just introduce what we're going to talk about. Obviously, if you guys have listened to the pod, we talk sports, obviously. But we also like to dabble in just whatever is going on in the world. So, Frank, if you want to kind of take us away a little bit. So, for the next segment, we're going to discuss a gruesome crime that occurred. What a what a change in pace. Yeah. We do it. That's what we do. <laughs> Last we week do. it was cutter and and then locking up gay people and now oh, it's Oh, Jesus. And then they're doing it. Oh god. So, um they 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 weren't lying. No, they, they were lying. very They have their they have their their army out on Twitter to defend them too. It's yeah, fantastic. They're, they're ready to do it. Oh, good god. So, uh for our next segment, 
we're going to be discussing a gruesome murder, a quadruple murder in Moss. In well, I, maybe not, maybe not. Woo, uh, the quadruple no, murder. That's more of, of a wow. I can't wait to hear what's next. Uh, oh, so okay. Cool. I, I, I that read is almost like <laughs> well, a, this is exciting. I love murder. Uh, which hey, maybe if you're listening to this part, you do. Uh, Frank, before you so, continue, mm-hmm. just let me just let me say that the guest did message me and said he is coming in with three hours of deep research. On this <laughs> so yes, I I saw that as well. It is it is groundbreaking stuff that nobody else is talking about. No. So so he will so, be here shortly, and, brief, and we will let. Yeah. It's pretty much it's, his. You know, it will become his pod. Uh, yeah, I, we'll just let him take the driver's seat. Uh, so this is all about the the murder of four University of Idaho students in Moscow, Idaho. There were these four students, Madison Mogan, uh, Kerr Delane, Kaylee Gonclaves, uh, and Zana Kernoodle, and freshman Ethan Chapin. And Damn. they were all found murdered in their home uh, by Moscow police on November 13th. So this is just kind of trying to figure out what exact, well, not figure out. We're not the police. We're not going to have any idea what the hell happened here, but just kind of discuss like this is one of the weirder murders that I've ever heard about. Uh, These four people murdered in this home, four kids really murdered in their home. Uh, They were all in other people were there too. Uh, only found when the roommates woke up and reported the murder because they thought they were unconscious or something. Uh, yeah, so I guess we can we can kind of introduce our guest now if we want. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if his microphone is working. If you is it working? Oh, it's working. There it is. Yeah, yeah it's on. All right, it's on. Sound everyone, there I can't you go. get your guys' voices to come out of my headphones, but whatever. All right. Well, honestly, as long as you've come with your three hours of deep research, that's all that matters. Everyone, TLL Zone, Drew Smith, everyone, round of applause. Round of applause for Drew. What's up, guys? How are you? Thank you for joining me, this of special, course. very special podcast, Drew. Founder of the Liberty Line, investigative journalist, and murder investigator. Uh, double investigation qualifications here. Uh, and, Drew, you've been hard at work. He's, He's really our work, own. Uh, these past few hours. He's well, our own Sherlock Holmes. Never I have never prepared for something. I mean, ever. I've never studied this hard. I've never taken this much time in writing an article on the Liberty Line that I have over the last couple hours working on every possible angle for these um, Idaho murders. So I'm ready to get into it. So I guess we can try to dive in here. Uh, I, I, I know that it seems like the four of them were killed almost simultaneously in the home. What have you found out, Drew, in your research? All right. Well, I mean, do you want me? I, I know you gave kind of a quick rundown of this case, but um, I laid it out. If you want me to kind of run through it, real quick. A- absolutely. By all means, I gave a very. It was That's a very. All I've ever asked for. Yeah. That's all I've ever wanted. <laughs> okay. Hold on. Let me uh, get my notes up here. All right. So, literally a week ago, we had four victims, Ethan Chapin, Kaylee Gonclaves, Zana Kernoodle, and Madison Mogan, uh, were killed in their sleep on an off-campus house near the University of Idaho 
Um, they were all, the one guy was a fraternity guy, the other guy was a sorority guy. Moving forward, that night, two of them were out. They were downtown at a Moscow bar called the Corner Club between 10 p.m. and 1.30 a.m., okay? They then visited a late-night food truck, which we know that because they were caught on the Twitch stream that the food truck was broadcasting, I guess, of them making food in downtown Idaho. Um, from there, they went to a house party, and around 1.40 a.m., they received a ride home from this private party that a, from a person that detectives have already ruled out as a part of the homicide, okay? So then you have the other two, Chapin and Kernoodle, were at a Sigma Chi fraternity house on the University of Idaho campus until 1.45 a.m., and then they returned home. So the three girls were roommates, and Chapin, the dude, I guess, just went home with Kernoodle, the chick, which I don't know if they were dating, but if not, and, you know, he just went home for one night with that girl, what a night to pick. That is a terrible night to go home with this chick. Wow. Okay. Definitely not ideal. So from there, authorities estimate that between 3 and 4 a.m., all four of these college students were brutally stabbed to death while sleeping in their beds. Now, they were on the second and third floor of this house, and there's two other roommates that were asleep during the attack, and they were on the first floor. So there was two bedrooms on the first floor. These other two roommates who were out all night, Drinking, whatever, got home on the first floor, I guess, went to sleep. And by all time frames and everything, it looks like everyone was still alive upstairs because they got home, you know, around the same time. So from there, obviously, authorities believe it happened between 3 and 4 a.m. But between 2.26 and 2.52 a.m., phone logs from one of the girl's cell phones show that she called her sister over seven times on that phone, which then the sister said, you know, it was to her and then also her ex-boyfriend and fellow student um, that actually just recently called it off. A lot of phone calls went to him as well, too. So the sister was like, yeah, I was sleeping. Same with the ex-boyfriend, said the same exact thing. But they were like, look, I mean, Whenever our, my sister, this girl, gets drunk, she drunk dials a lot and keeps calling until someone picks up, which I think everyone here can kind of, uh, you know, admit to doing at some point, right? Yeah, once or ah, once never. Or I've never done here that. And there. <laughs> you know. So, the next morning, two people on the first floor wake up, and it's like mid-afternoon. They were drinking all night. They got up late, and... They're like, hey, where, where is everyone? Where are all the roommates? And here is where I think things start to get a little weird. So they called a bunch of other, other friends over and were like, hey, we think one of these girls upstairs is passed out because she's not coming out of her room. And I couldn't find any type of article. That sounds like it indicates that the doors were locked. I don't know about the doors being locked, but I think it's just, you know, people, especially kids, 
They uh, were brutally murdered in their beds. There was blood everywhere dripping down the floorboards out of the side of the house. Like, these weren't... They were the most gruesome killings these policemen ever saw. And they said, our friend was unresponsive. Quote. Our friend passed out. Well, some well, people don't like to open the door, the door. Yeah. So they so didn't open the door. If, if the door maybe is they just closed. didn't open the door. If the door is closed, maybe they're like, oh, she's been having a rough time. People, I, At this point, we're just kind of speculating wildly, but... I I, I don't think it's I well, I don't think it's that crazy to assume that especially if you're a roommate with somebody, it, it doesn't really say that they're like friends. So maybe they you're felt- calling nine one one instead of opening up the door if the door was being able to being opened. That seems like a very so maybe the door was drastic locked. step to take. So right? maybe maybe the door was locked. I know that some doors you can lock from the inside. Like you can like turn the little little lock and you thing close it. and you close it and you can't get in. Um, I I don't know. That's a that's a weird part of it. I I hadn't actually heard that part. Well, I actually did see something about that, and apparently that there were two survivors. Correct? Yes. The yeah. two survivors' rooms were locked, but the others weren't locked. That's okay. what I gathered, and it was. That's really the only tidbit i was able to gather from the well no wait, but here's what i'm saying so the the two survivors lived on the first floor they woke up around noon the next day none of their roommates came downstairs so at that point they called over a bunch of their friends and they were like hey this no one's responding to us upstairs okay and from there, the 911 call where the police have it and they stated that they spoke to multiple people on the phone, the roommates and the friends they got over there, and the 911 call was because one of their roommates was unresponsive. So why did they come to that assumption? Did they go upstairs and no one was answering? They were knocking on the door. The door was locked. And that's how they came up to the assumption because that would make sense. But if the door's not locked... And you open up that bedroom, I mean, it is an absolute bloodbath in there. So why would you say they're unresponsive and you're talking to five or six different people on the phone about that? doesn't make sense to me. No, honestly, that makes zero sense whatsoever. You open up the, especially if it's like, you know, you're worried about them enough to call 911. You'd think you'd be worried enough to just open the door and breach whatever privacy there is. Because I mean, call nine one one. All options. You have no other options yeah. before you call the cops. So my, you figure. My thinking you, here oh, good is, God. Is, is is I I almost I hate this. I almost chalk it up to like Gen Z age kids social anxiety. Like they like there's like a weird disconnectedness where you just not like. Am I gonna go open my roommate's door right now if I don't see him for like forty eight hours? No, he could be in there dead for forty eight hours. I wouldn't open the door. I'd be like, oh, he's just somewhere. You're gonna call the cops though. I, that's that's what's so weird. Yeah, call the that's calling the so police. Weird. It feels weird. I mean, some people would rather call the police than open the door to their friend's room, and 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 I, I, that's true. That is, there, there are weird people out there. But so then they did it, right? Is that what I'm hearing? Well, I mean, look, I uh, mean, I don't know. I don't. Think I, they, so. That was unclear to me is why they called and said it was unresponsive. Number one, number two, was the door locked? How did they get to the point where they were calling the cops just saying someone was unresponsive if all four of their or three of their roommates and this dude were all brutally stabbed to death and it was a bloody, messy crime scene and you're calling the cops saying that it's unresponsive. So, just unre- one of them's unresponsive. It doesn't make any sense. 
doesn't make a ton Drew, of sense. No, Drew. In your research, did you see whether or not there was any evidence outside of the rooms at all? Like, were there any blood trails or anything like that? So, so here it brings me to my next point, right? So, of course, police say we're saying this, and I, I, I took a bunch of quotes. They're saying, "Hey, there's no." Initially, here's what they said: there's no threat to a public. It seemed like a an attack that came from someone they knew. That's that, Jaws Mayor stuff. That the criminal left so much evidence all over the house. How they didn't quote think that the killer was particularly sophisticated, criminally sophisticated, or forensically sophisticated, and that would assume that he it was targeted. Because he knew who he was going to attack. He knew where people were going to be in the house. He knew that people were out, in, drunk downstairs, whatever. So he had no care in the world by going in there and stabbing four people to death in the middle of the night while two people were still alive downstairs. But if you take that into consideration, and there's so much evidence, and this guy was a sloppy murderer, then how come a week later we still have no suspects? So that's one, what makes all this so bizarre, right? So one thing this actually kind of reminds me of is the Ted Bundy sorority house massacre uh, down in Florida. I think it was uh, I think it was uh, Florida University or University of Florida. One of those two. Uh, he went into a sorority house and murdered two women and I think severely injured one or one or two more with like blunt force trauma, not even using a knife. So not nearly as quick as that. And it was a pretty similar situation where went in in the middle of the night after everybody was done partying, goes room to room. So it's not out of the, it's not out of the realm of possibility that an intruder could have accessed the house and done this in some sort of frenzy. Sure. The, the only thing is by that point, Ted Bundy was a, you know, a seasoned killer. He's sure, a, right. So what kind of a monster is lurking in Idaho at this point is the well, question. If he's even still there, I it's that's it's wild. So that brings me to, to the suspect list. And let's just say off the bat who the police have already ruled out from being involved in this murder. Number one, it was initially thought that there was a guy watching these two girls why were they were at the food truck which was all caught on video turns out that guy was just hammered waiting to get food from the same food truck so the police have Been ruled there. him out right that's good the next was the person who gave the two girls a ride home from the party that they were at the police have not released much information about him but saying that he is not being treated as a suspect which brings us to the two surviving roommates who were in the house during the attack. The police ruled them out from being possible suspects. The friends who the two roommates called over before they called 911 have also been ruled out as possible suspects. The ex-boyfriend, who the parents of the girl, has also been ruled out as a suspect which, as we know from Gabby Petito and pretty much every other murder, it's really tough to immediately rule out the ex-boyfriend. But they were, quote, 1,000, no, 2,000% that this ex-boyfriend did not 
stab these girls. And then the last, being the victims themselves, were also ruled out as possible subjects, like it was a murder-suicide type thing, right? Okay. So from there, you have a couple other reports about how one of the girls, Gon Cavs, or I don't know how to pronounce anyone's name, but apparently she was dealing with a stalker. I've heard some reports of that, too. Is there any veracity to that? Well, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking. So where's the stalker coming to play here? Because I had read in the one article that they had ruled out. Moscow police said that investigators have looked extensively into reports that Gonclaves had a stalker. They have pursued hundreds of pieces of information related to this topic, have not been able to identify or verify a stalker. That's as of today's date, November 22nd. So as of right now, nobody knows if there actually is a stalker or not. Uh, honestly, even in the event that it was a stalker, that this is another thing is, is completely un, unlike most attacks by stalkers. Most crimes of passion are usually directed at one or two parties that people feel like have aggrieved them. So, I don't know if there's any any veracity to that or any, any you know, reality to whether or not that could be a thing. That could be something they're just grasping at. Um, I mean, you know, not say that she didn't have a stalker. She very well may have had a stalker. But this this almost feels like a weird, horrif- horrifying, drifter-style attack to me, uh, based on everything. So... As anything that we covered so far, do you think anyone that was mentioned, whether it was briefly or anything that I said, do you think any one has been that any of you guys would actually consider a suspect? Truthfully, no. Like I'm kind of on Frank's side here as far as just like figuring out who this person is. Um, it kind of just seems like a, a just a random complete act of violence. Cause I know there was, um, it was like a week prior. There was a, a dog that was Buddy, the dog. Yeah. Year old mini Australian shepherd. So, and like, obviously well, that's done by a but, human being, but they, they, I, I'm pretty sure the police had already said there's no connection with that. Right. They did. Not uh, only I would that. like to shout out to buddy, the dog though, 12 year old mini <sighs> Australian Jesus shepherd. Fucking Christ. Just skinned to fucking death. Terrible. Uh, and, but, you know, just, filleted. They dude. filleted Buddy the dog. He's a 12-year-old Australian Shepherd, probably the one of the best-looking dogs I've ever seen. And they filleted him, skinned him alive down the street. On, so on, No connection, though. Like on, Well, on top of that, not only was there no connection to that, they actually, whoever this was that did it, whoever this monster was that did this to these poor kids, they left the dog in the house alive. There was a dog that was present that they right. didn't even touch. Which would also say she's now with the ex-boyfriend, by the way. Well, hmm. and you know, as someone who lost their dog in a relationship, I could see a crime of passion to get the dog back. <laughs> but well, you know, I, I could absolutely, yeah. To get, but that would then again involve retrieving the dog, <laughs> which, in, which obviously here didn't happen. Now, obviously, you want at the end of the day, it did though. No, he, he did though. He has the dog. He got it. He, oh, oh yeah. Through the courts, I see. Smart man. So I don't think they needed to get so, the courts involved. No, I would have 
I well, that's just neither here nor there. My point is, I look to him absolutely as the most likely out of the people mentioned, but yes. that's a very small likelihood as well. I mean, definitely, I don't yeah. love the doubling down to two thousand percent sure. Well, who said that? Was it the parents of the girl, or was it the, the parents police? of the slain girl? Said well, that. If, if if there's one thing about some parents is that they really have no idea what's going on. So, I mean, True. I don't really, I'm not going to take their word on that whatsoever, but I mean, again, I do kind of think what Frank is saying, the, the, the weird fucked up drifter type of attack. Like we'll see one of these happen in, in a bordering state in like a week. Well, okay, and, the, and, th- and then there will be reports of a weird hitchhiker or something like that. I like, agree. Not, and I actually have, Oh, wow. This is my whole where my case is going, right? Well, so, then here we are. All right. So, as you, some of you may know, Steve Baruti, um, co host of the Misery Report, also a, you know, kind of a gypsy. He hikes a lot. He um, traveled the entire Appalachian Trail, Continental Divide Trail, Pacific Crest Trail. Uh, he walks no tent, he walks everywhere, right? Um, he spent a lot of time in Idaho, northern Idaho in 2021 while he was hiking the one trail that goes from the Pacific crest to almost the center of the country. Um, and he said that he doesn't understand why authorities are not looking at religious groups or militias inside Idaho because they have a very strong presence there. And I quote from Steve Baruti, cause I did go out as a journalist and get quotes, um, to support this and he said i was all up in northern idaho in 2021 and there are tons of people dressed like amish and mormon people from 1890 and these people are very weird and um looked down and almost disgusted by regular people which would include college people absolutely i'm sure they're at the pinnacle of their disgust now so i started looking into this right and i'm like okay well let me Google cults in Idaho and see what we come up with. And the first article that pops up on Google has the following headline. Um, Kurt-like churches take over Idaho college town fueled by a misogynist rape-friendly theology. Okay? So I'm like, huh, I wonder if that's near where the University of Idaho is. Here's the first sentence from the article. Moscow, Idaho is the embodiment of a college town, tree-covered neighborhoods, quiet streets, quaint shops downtown, and a pretty University of Idaho college campus. But for people who live there, the insidious presence of Pastor Doug Wilson's cult-like Christ Church, not at all obvious from the surface, can make life on the Palouse, I guess that's like where they call that area, surreal and even nightmarish. So this article was published in September 21st, 2021, and it's all about these religious cult-like churches taking over the University of Idaho and the town that where the University of Idaho is, which is Moscow, Russia, which is where four of college girls or three college girls and one college dude were all just found brutally stabbed to death in and no one's even talking about that or has even brought that so, up as a possible reason why. But was there any kind of religious element to this attack? I, I, 
I, I, I, no, I understand but I mean, reports that. detail this church, the Christ Church, a culture that normalizes sexual abuse and harassing survivors. And rape victims have uh, uh, described husbands of women in this church being brutally raped and beaten Ugh. by their husbands, then becoming Jesus outcasts Christ. and divorced from the church. As others describe being sexually that? abused as teenagers by men who taught in the church's schools. This is in Moscow, Idaho. Yeah, and I'm 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 doing a little live live googling over here. Check, I see Check my here. sources, dude. I got them. You know, I'm no, I'm with you 100. percent And it's uh, of course everything's being backed up. This is being double verified live on the air. But uh, this is that this is the headline of the Vice article. It says inside the church that preaches wives need to be led with a firm hand. And like you said, uh, kind of like having this exclusive relationship looking down on people who are engaging in sexual promiscuity perhaps like that young man that found himself in that crime scene bingo and there it is well then why like, why go after the other ones though then you see what i'm saying like, yeah they, that's they, the part that doesn't make any sense to me a bunch about of that promiscuous. I mean, look those girls were beautiful dude a bunch they, of promiscuous drunk college girls out at frat parties out but at the then bar why getting stop food at, the, at taco stands but then they sorority but, girls were those the, yeah, all of them yeah but drew but then why stop at the ones on the upper floor why not continue murdering the promiscuous college students on the first floor as well well, if he followed the ones that got home and went upstairs and the other ones got home slightly after on the first floor and just went to bed, is there a chance possibly? I mean, look, it's just... I think they got home I, before. So, are, are, so I, I mean, obviously, it's something that needs to be looked at if we're being oh, realistic Oh, they did get home here. before. You're right. Because, uh, so, yes, they were all home by around 145 and... Phone calls were going out from 2.26 to 2.52 a.m., and the murders were, you know, reportedly or suspected to take place between 3 and 4 a.m. It definitely feels like these people were followed because it, it, it feels like they were – it feels like all of them were targeted by this attack, um, or at least the women were. I don't know about – I'm sure, you know, the guy obviously wound up losing his life as well. That's a tragedy. But it's just very bizarre. We go by so in 2022 weird. and we have no evidence, which at all. I what you do is littered with evidence, but it's so scattershot. It's all we over have no the place. suspects. Yeah, especially since there were defensive wounds on a lot of victims, right? Like, did they not scratch them at all? You know, like was the, or you know, maybe it was well. You can't even say whether it was a man or a woman who did it, but like you would think yeah, maybe there would be. I know there wasn't any like. um you know, sexual assault involved. I think they ruled all that out. So, like, obviously no DNA that way. But, like, even if, you know, obviously when you do autopsy, if a woman, if one of the girls was able to scratch the guy, you could at least see a little bit in the nails, right, and be able to determine something. But it is strange. Like, I know, Frank, you brought up, like, the Ted Bundy thing. That happened in, what, like, the 70s, 80s, right? Yeah. Like, forensic DNA testing, all that shit has just come so far in 2022. And, like, there's cameras everywhere, obviously. So, like, you would think there you... would be some sort of way for the cops to be able to like connect the dots and at least make a determination on where to look. But it just seems like there's no direction. Like no one has any idea. And it's crazy that no one's even mentioned these cult like churches or whatever the fuck's going on. In I mean, look, Island. that's just one thing. And as I mean, you mentioned that, too, it's yeah. like, look, I'm just trying to think If all four of us were in a house and we are on 
All right, well, well, yeah, we only have four people here. It would be nice if we had six. But let's just say Frank and Conway, you guys are on the first floor. Cass is on the second. I'm on the uh, fourth. Even if I am blacked out drunk, which, you know, happens every now and then, let's just say Monday night after the Eagles game, someone snuck into the house that we're all living with up to the third floor of the house and started brutally stabbing me. And there were defensive wounds and everything. People were like, oh, all these people were drunk or whatever. You're going to hear me make a lot of noise. You guys don't think that wouldn't wake you up at all if someone was brutally stabbing me on the third floor? So, in I I mean, listen, if I'm hearing somebody in a fight for their life, I'm probably, you know, running up there to see what the hell's going on. That's me now as a 35-year-old dad. Like, I'm right. like, what the, what the fuck? Uh, now, you know, me back in college, I'm hearing people tussling upstairs. You you might turn a, you might turn a blind eye to it and be like, oh, you know, I guess they're going a little crazy. I, that could go, that could go to the Gen Z thing too. Ryan, let me stop you there. Okay. Let me stop you there. So you initially hear a little crazy tussling going on on the third floor. You're like, oh, that's Drew. Uh, he was fucking blacked out tonight complete wreck blah 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 and it stops right then all of a sudden a floor below me you hear the same similar thing happening with Cass and Cass is now getting brutally stabbed to death and I don't care how drunk Cass is dude's a tank he goes brutally stabbed and he can be wasted he's gonna wake up and like he's defending himself so now that's the second person in this house that's being brutally stabbed and that happened four times yeah in this house, uh, and well, no one woke up, and every single victim was found just stabbed to death in their bed. That is so I'll, bizarre to me. I'll tell you this, man. Some people are heavy sleepers. Like, there was this one time I had a friend come over, and he left, and the alarm was on. And uh, he just kind of dipped, while the, and I'm just in bed asleep as the alarm in the house I is going. I sleep through an absolutely. alarm every day, but I'm not, yeah, not, not, not a, getting not brutally a phone, stabbed. Not, yeah, but that's the thing is, like, what does that even – do you know what being brutally stabbed really sounds like in the dead of night? I'm not like, going to comment on that for my own <laughs> – For legal reasons. <laughs> for legal reasons. Well, okay, say hypothetically. <laughs> no, but like, hell, I have, I have a friend come over. You know, we crush a bunch of beers. He sleeps on the couch, and I'm asleep in here. He gets up, cleans all the beers up. Great guy, by the way. And they're clattering around, and I don't hear a thing. I come out two hours later just having woken up. I don't know. Now, obviously, getting stabbed in your sleep is different than cleaning up beer cans. But just in terms of and, – and also, it, this is right outside my door. I don't hear it. This is – floors are separated. Like, I don't know. I, like, I don't know if, you, if, if, if there's a, a good reason for them not to have heard it. But, I, I mean, potentially. potentially they could have just they been just, scared. They just didn't hear it. They could have but just been why scared wouldn't they say shitless. Anything? Why wouldn't because... they say anything now? Because, right. because they're they cowards and they're, they're yeah. shame. That's possible. That's a possibility you have to consider. That's fucking lame. That's fucking it's lame, lame. but it's evidence? real. Oh, I have no evidence so for that. I have no Frank evidence for literally anything. is reacting like he heard someone get murdered and did nothing about it. Frank is having a reaction like, like d- he's, dude, he's, he's, he's hiding it. <laughs> I, went to, I went to Frankfurt High School. I have 100%, you know. Turned a blind eye to horrible things. I should have stopped. I've <laughs> turned a blind eye to So crime. they asked a few new or like different prosecutors about the case and everything. And uh, 
there was a bunch of people obviously commenting on this, but I found this one to be interesting. And the person is leaning more towards a stalker or someone that these victims knew. And he says, going into an occupied dwelling with six people in different rooms in the middle of the night is an extremely high-risk crime unless the murderer knows one or more of the people. So that's my first thought. This offender did not just randomly choose this location that he targeted, and he actually targeted one or more of the people there. Whether that's because he had a relationship or past relationship with one or more of them, or because he was actually stalking one or more of them throughout the night when they were at the bars, at getting food, at this frat party, whatever. Asked later about the suspicion, again, confirming that they were talking about um, the victims actually knowing the killer. He's like, when everyone is living there, could have had a gun, and multiple people could have confronted this and attacked him when he got in, it just makes it seem to this guy that it's more and more likely that this guy knew what he was walking into in this house. He knew what he was going to do, who was there, and how he was going to get out of that house with, you know, not getting caught. Because it's not like he just randomly walked into a house and was like, I'm going to stab four people and then be able no. to walk out there. Like, the risk factor in that would be way too high just to walk in and do that. So he continues real quick, and he says, unless he knew them or more than one of them, that reduced all the risks that I just mentioned right there, right? So he had to know that on the weekends, all these people were out, everyone was racist, wasted they're all home all in bed and that the people downstairs were obviously wasted and wouldn't get up till the middle of the afternoon because everyone was out all night drinking and partying drew i do have a question here you did say that some phone calls went out the yes. drunk calls seven who did those who did those calls go to so those phone calls between 2.26 and 2.52 a.m., the phone log showed that seven unanswered calls were placed from the one girl to her sister and the ex-boyfriend that was already ruled out from being a murder suspect. Oh. So 2.52 to uh, – I'm sorry, 2.26 to 2.52, seven unanswered phone calls went out to those people. The sister dismissed them as – it was her, her sister drunk dialing them and she kept calling until someone hopefully picked up. Which, as we said earlier, it's like, okay, well, if you're just drunk dialing and calling people over and over again. I mean, I could pull up my phone right now. I think I called Mert on Saturday night like 27 times because he lives in the building across the street, and I was trying to get high at like 3 a.m. So I, I understand that. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. But this is, look, look, man, look, if my sister gives me a call on the phone, I don't care what time it is, I don't care how many time, I'm going to answer the fucking phone. Especially if it's at 2 in the morning and I get a phone call. Like, it could be anything. So if she saw it and didn't answer, boo her. Unre- not really related to the case, but just a, a big boo. I, I Guys, was just curious. On. What? She probably what? feels horrible she didn't answer that phone. Well, no. It's going to haunt her for the rest of her too. life. She Good. may have been on Do Not Disturb. You know, like that, well, you that's don't different. That's shit. different. That you can't. Well, that I'm sure she'll then blame herself, but then I won't boo her. Do you have your like ringer on when you go to sleep? No, I'm saying if I saw it, I would answer. Well, she'd see it and ignore the call. That's what I'm. That's all I'm saying. 
It's if wild she had, that would be bad. I'm, I'm it, saying do any of you guys leave your phone case. ringer on? Do you have noises yeah, on your phone? I do, no, 100%. Why, because like, you have kids? Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes Fair sense. Enough. That makes sense. Yeah, literally the only reason why I do it. So, uh, Drew, if I could um, just ask you, I mean, where do you envision, like, do you have any sort of conclusion at this point? Because I obviously, I mean, there's more questions than there are answers. And I, I know, like, we've discussed it all, and it still seems like, like, what the fuck is going on, right? Like, it's, there's just no, there, there's no leads. It doesn't seem like anything's really coming to the forefront as far as at least public discourse. I know we talked about that cult, but like that's not even being discussed. So no, no, that's not being discussed. It was just something I thought that was uh, kind of like wildly coincidental, but no, I really don't. And honestly, I'm really hung up about the 911 call and the two roommates in the basement. I'm not saying they have anything to do with this. I just find that whole thing, whether it's just, you know, we're not being made aware of it. Um, as the public or they're not telling journalists or anything, but apparently they don't rule any of those kids as suspects, but that whole part just seems like it, there were missing pieces in there where two people are home on the first floor of this house. Four people are brutally stabbed in their sleep upstairs. No one heard a thing. Then they call their friends over and tell the cops that they are scared. One of their roommates is unresponsive. That part just sticks out like a sore sore thumb that's like a very weird part of this conversation whether the door was locked they couldn't get in the room and then they're like it's unresponsive but even then now that i'm saying that if frank's in his room and he's unresponsive and we'll run with the fact that the door is locked we're all sitting outside and we're banging on the door he's not answering fine that's weird my first thought is going to be where's Cass and where's conway I'm not calling the cops immediately just because one of my friends is unresponsive in a locked door, which we don't even know if that was the case in this house. Where's Where's Conway and Cass? They no, all, yeah, they're I, also I up here I get everybody too. up. I get. I'd be like, "Yo, one of our friend, one of our roommates. I don't care if you're not boys. Like, one of our roommates is yeah. like locked in their room. That's not it, answering what I'm the saying. Door. Like, we all got we got to get all hands on deck. So, so you're telling me they called nine one one just for the one. I thought there was at least two. No, like, it was. Oh, they said on the phone. They called. The, they called for the one. one? Oh, yeah. and then they called for the one. And they got a four. They got a four piece. Yep. Four That's people brutally stabbed, laying dead, like blood everywhere in their rooms, and they called because they feared one of their roommates was unresponsive. Oh, Again, that just brings back to the point. It's like I don't understand why they called the cops because someone, one of the people, were thought to be unresponsive without number one exhausting all options getting everyone up in the house and none of these people came over and they're like whoa where's brian and Cass on the third floor has anyone heard heard from from them them? this girl's unresponsive what about the other people yeah that just doesn't add up man like i feel like i'm not saying the roommates did obviously the roommates have been cleared and i'm comfortable with clearing them but i feel like somebody has to know something like that there's no like how what the fuck happened here i think the so i i tend to with these sorts of messy situations you sort of have to go with occam's razor right and i think that the odds are somebody heard something one of those people at least maybe both heard a struggle and 
They woke up in the morning. Maybe they had plans. And again, this is all speculation. Maybe they had plans with that one particular roommate and they're supposed to go out. And then, oh, she's not up. I'm going to call everybody. Hey, have you heard anything from them? Blah, blah, blah. Let's go. Come over here. You know, did you see anything? And then they start talking amongst themselves about, you know, I think I heard somebody in the house. Um, then they start feeling like maybe they're responsible for it. You bang on the door. Nobody answers. You feel uncomfortable answering the door or just barging in because who knows? Maybe she took a guy home. I don't know what's going on. Uh, this was the girl's house, right? If I'm correct. Yes. I think, yeah. So, you know, uh, sorority house. Hey, I don't want to just, you know, jump in if there's a guy there. It might be weird. So, you know, keep knocking, keep banging on the door. Nobody's answering. Nobody's heard anything. You're not even thinking about the other people because you didn't have plans with them. You're assuming they're already gone. And all these people got home at one around 1.45 a.m. What I'm what I'm saying is, phone, is hold that, on. phone calls, 226 to 252 a.m. They were still alive at that point. Between three and four a.m., four people were brutally stabbed to death in this house. I'm not at arguing that. 8 a.m., friends came over. They called the cops because someone was unresponsive. That is did the bizarre. friends come over? Did the friends come over because they were called over, or did the friends show up because they were supposed to meet there or something? Surviving roommates called friends over to ah, the house okay. on November 13 right. because so, they believed one I think of their roommates something. had passed out. I think they heard something and then didn't do anything and then panicked and worried that somebody was I think they were I think they like knew were like thought like maybe this person's dead. Like what if what if the worst case scenarios happened? We better call the cops. That'll I, help. I don't know the relationship between all these people, but again, why aren't they waking up the other two people I in the house when they're calling the other friends over yeah. to come over? Because one it's hard to know quote from the police, are. one of their roommates had passed out. Multiple people then spoke with the dispatcher on 911 at 11.58 a.m. to report an unconscious person in the house. Unconscious. Oof. This, uh, unconscious. That's so what I'm that saying. Means, so how did they know that person was unconscious? And why would they say unconscious if they were all brutally stabbed in their beds? I do. And why I did they wake up the other two people? I don't. I, I don't know what is happening. Do we have confirmation on how whoever did it got in the house? Was it just an unlocked? They're thinking there was a ring doorbell on the front. That's how they knew what time everyone got home. There's a ring okay. doorbell out front. They watched them all walk into the house. Oh They're God. thinking they came through the sliding deck door in the back ah, of the house Jesus. through the kitchen. Oh, so this is so, somebody that followed them and probably cased the place a little bit on the outside. Saw there was another potential entry, went in and just went ham upstairs. Is what probably that's what I'm, happened. I'm thinking like maybe the, that's potentially what happened is like someone just kind of watched them all settle in and then the outside the, saw where lights got turned on, saw where they got turned off. You can see it, like yeah, yeah. And then, it's well, you mm. you know, but. Yeah, and I, I honestly like I I do get kind of hung up on the fact that they called friends over. Uh, that kind of reminds one me. One person was they believed again, to be unresponsive. That is this, so weird. This again kind of reminds me of the and again I, I obviously I mentioned the uh, the Ted Bundy case where he went in the sorority house, but that part's almost like the John Benet Ramsey case where the parents called everybody in town over to the house before they called the police. 
And man, that's that's a weird one. So I I don't think that how much how much resources do you have at, at the Moscow Idaho Police Department? Where uh, they had twenty federal agents on it, the entire police rep- department. And- well, I mean the initial. I mean initial response is just the initial response is where you're going to get the most information, where you're most likely to have some kind of case. I don't know if you've ever heard of the show on uh, A and E. Verse forty eight. Yeah, you stole the uh, words right out of my mouth. Absolutely. So, the longer that it takes federal agencies to get involved in this sort of thing, the longer there's a chance for some kind of slip up. I, you have to look at that with a degree of suspicion. Unfortunately, you do have to look at their response with a degree of suspicion. But at the same time, the level of violence, the it, it just all suggests somebody to me that is extremely comfortable with violence. Somebody who... Breaking, I killed breaking, before. breaking Uh-oh. news 20 Uh-oh. minutes ago. Uh-oh. 40s announced Tuesday night that there's no evidence related to Idaho murder victim Kaylee Gone Caves having a stalker. After looking through hundreds of pieces of information related to this topic, authorities said in a news release that they have not been able to verify or identify a stalker. Authorities also clarified in the news that the type of knife used in this attack is believed to be a fixed blade knife. I'm not sure what that is. Well, that means it's not a switchblade or any kind. Okay. And however, still, authorities have been unsuccessful in finding a murder weapon. So it's a hunting knife. Uh, Not unlike Rambo. To conjure an image in your head. You okay. think of the Rambo oh, knife, fuck. you know? So, well, that's most you likely that's the image. type of knife. You've definitely conjured well, the image. I'll tell you that. Unfortunately. Jeez. So yeah. that's the type of knife that you're looking at. Uh, it, it, it isn't a folding blade of any kind or any kind of uh, self-defense weapon. It's it's something that's used specifically for hunting, most likely. Or well, that narrows it down in northern Idaho. Combat. Uh, they just look at everyone but, who doesn't have a hunting knife. and I'm, Okay, I'm sure. so... <laughs> Over the last week, the police, working with federal authorities, have received nearly 650 tips, have conducted 90 interviews, and have requested video footage from any businesses and residences in specific parts of the city, ideally to probably track all their movements, and to share footage with them between the hours of 3 to 6 a.m. on the day of the killings to see if there was anyone traveling in that direction, in that neighborhood, at local businesses, and what they were doing. They've also sure. looked for that type of knife purchase in the area and contacted hunting stores, all that stuff, and really haven't found anything. There. You're not going to see anything with that. But no, the, the fact that they're... Well, yeah, but I mean... There, yeah, absolutely. I'm not Well, there, yet. but also... Even in Philly, Dick's Sporting Goods, you get tons of people buying the hunting knives. Deer season comes around. Yeah. The so I I just one thing people don't get the visual with the with the podcast, but if you could see the haunted look in Drew's eyes right now as he's just pouring they're, they're over showing this pictures of the outside of the house, and there's literally blood seeping down the outside of the house. So these you were like I know you keep saying me. brutally murdered, but like. This was brutal. This was like this in. You guys have a Slack channel, right? Yeah. Yeah. Inside the TL thing, I'm gonna put this picture in there. 
You just hop in. Dude, I can do whatever I want in the Slack channel that I'm the admin for. I tried to make it locked like right, the vibe room, and I, and I couldn't, and I was like, Yeah, man. I mean, I'm the admin of the thing. I, I know, but I at least try, I had to try. I give you guys your privacy. I, 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 oh, my I God. There's literally blood dripping down the outside this of the house. This is like some like goddamn horror movie. This is fucked up. Wow. Why? Wait, and, and so the feds are not? Are the feds not involved? Are like? Are, no, they are. I, are. They are good. All right. Because I'm. I was really. Oh my but God. again, the roommates called and just said uh, someone might be passed out. That's what they said. They so. they present and uh, there's blood so dripping down the outside of the house. Well, it's a goddamn shit horror show. That dude. That yeah, is fucking dark. that's rough. What? Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm Idaho murders. Yeah. Images. Yeah. This um So are like we gonna get done... Drew's final score prediction for the Eagles game now or how, how about Ben Simmons? Look, this about... has been a like, this has been a wild ride of a podcast. I mean long our longest podcast for sure. And holy I, you know, shit. And as long as we've you know, obviously Ugh. I think we've hit on all the key points with this murder case. Um it just seems like there isn't enough public knowledge to come to any type of no, not yet. Conclusion. We got a press so. conference tomorrow at one p.m. So next time you guys record, uh, yeah, oh, I think we. Should, I there. mean, we'll keep tabs on this. I think. No, no, I feel no, like I have to. Ongoing story. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is a goddamn shame. Let's just yeah. put that. No, to it, be it's perfectly clear. It's, it's like not a. It's not like a fun story. Obviously, you're trying no. to have a little bit of fun with, but like, that's oh the type my of god, life. terrible. That, Oh, that's a good call by you, Frank. They reference Rambo uh, knife. <laughs> that, well, that's the first thing I think of when I think of a fixed blade. That is yeah. Wild. It just it, it's insane. Like I wonder if there are similar sort of just brutal acts of violence. Maybe not even in Idaho, but maybe in surrounding states of some sort. You know what I mean? Maybe this person is has a track record, or maybe this is just his first and. He decided to hit a fucking college town and kill, you know, four fucking white college students. And now we're, you know, now the entire world is, is pretty much captivated by it. Um, it's just absolutely insane. It really is. And obviously, once we get more knowledge on it, we'll we'll keep tabs on it. Um, like I said, uh, <laughs> I mean, we spent we spent way more of this episode talking about the murder mystery than than anything Philly sports related. So Good. if you were tu- if you were tuning in for the Eagles talk, I'm sorry we got carried away here, but we had no. There was a clear, there was a clear cutoff point. There Again, is, yeah. you like, know, it, yeah. they knew what they were getting into if they stuck around. Yeah, I mean, you'll read yeah. the title. You'll read the title. And Obviously, if you came the for the murder talk. mystery, I'm sorry you had to sit through that. Uh, Look, <laughs> yeah. back up at the beginning during Whiplash. the Gab- Gabby Petito thing, we uh, did Chasing Liberty, and let me tell you, we knew nothing about that case, and I think everyone was heavily intoxicated, and yep. that episode absolutely blew up because um, of what we were talking about. I'm sure they were upset that we didn't have the right information, which is why I wanted to prepare and kind of restore my name as an investigative journalist on your guys' podcast because. I feel like I let down the public last time around, but this time, you know, we're coming with the facts this time, and uh, hopefully you'll have me back and we can uh, stay up to date on this case because um, obviously we have a lot of unanswered questions here. Um, yeah, we absolutely will. And honestly, like I only knew the, you know, essentially the timeline of things, but I mean, I, I feel like I'm fully invested in this thing. And, yeah, keep um, an eye on the church, Cass. 
It's yeah, I will. The church is the church has my that that that's you know where you raise an eyebrow. You're like, what the fuck's going on over there? But at the same time, like when it comes to these things, like you know, it's always like the most obvious one usually isn't it. Like it, you know what I mean? Like sometimes people are just fucking psychos and commit heinous acts of just brutal violence. Some people are just some. That's just how it goes. Sometimes it isn't exactly what you expect right um so i agree and I, I know we're trying to wrap this up but i'm just saying if it was some type of deranged person and everything there was no sign of sexual assault on any of these i know it's very dark and gruesome to say but i feel like that would have been in play if it was just like a crazy psychopath that is true i mean that, that's that's, that's the part that is pretty surprising but you know um yeah to to kind of put on a the bow beat, on things i'll keep on the beat for sure Thank you, Drew. We appreciate it. To kind of put a bow on things and bring things back to Philly sports a little bit, you know, sometimes it's not the person you think it is. Sometimes the person you think it is is who you think they are. And sometimes Ben Simmons only scores 11 points in his big comeback game in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, no, 11 and 11. And I need nice. uh, 15 from him to win $485. But what a rat. Tell me that didn't uh, no, yes. And I, wow. Drew looks even more haunted right now after I mean, Drew receiving looks that. Drew way news. more upset. Fine, losing a fucking eight leg parlay. That's where you run into some trouble. That's that's the real emotional turmoil. Yeah, that's uh, when I really lose my shit. That's when... Real quick, I do want to get everyone's predictions. Uh, just rapid fire, yes or no? Is this America's next great serial killer? Yes or no? No. Uh, yeah, no. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go say no. Um. Just because, look, I mean, the fact of the matter is, like, serial ki- being a serial killer is just <laughs> way more difficult now than in it today's ever was. league. It's yeah, apparently like, not. Do look, it. No one has any league. idea who this guy is. <laughs> in today's league, yeah, I mean, if this guy starts going on a string and gets away with it for more than even two months, it's uh, remarkable. Um, it is. Look, this is it's just not. It's just not the '90s anymore. It's not the early 2000s. Like, technology is caught up to these motherfuckers. There's a reason we haven't seen a, a psychopath become a serial killer in 20 fucking years, right? So, no, I'm going to say no to that. Well, I don't think you'll see it because you see more spree killers nowadays, whereas you used to see people that would have these drawn-out things where they'd strangle prostitutes over the course of like a couple of years, get a fun nickname from the news. Now it's like people just let it like fester and build up, and then they go to a shopping mall with a semi-automatic rifle. Uh, or I think in this case you know, wander into a house and just go ballistic. Because uh, I, I, I honestly don't think that it's anybody that they knew. I, I do think it's probably some kind of drifter or something. Some some sicko. Some, it's some a drifter he's going to kill again. But right now it's way too hot on the news. It's all anyone's talking about it. You got a he's off the grid. podcast talking about it right now. And once Dude. this dies down and there are still no answers and we're start rolling right into a cold case... That's where this guy's going to be like, no one's talking about me anymore. He's going to strike again. I, I believe we do have a serial killer on our hands unless he is caught um, before this story kind of gets thrown to the wayside about something else. And, Ryan, what's your conclusion? Uh, did you um, give us a conclusion? I, 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 I want to say early doors, it's looking like no, but I do, th- I, I, I do think yes. I do think it'll happen again. I do think – uh, it won't happen in that town. I think it'll happen somewhere that you could hitchhike to uh, over the course of a few days. I think they're they're hunkered down somewhere. 
Uh, I don't think it's a student just walking around campus, although that would be fucking crazy. Um, I, I, I do think we might see something out of this region again uh, that will resemble this. And uh, I'm not by any means looking forward to it. And this is one of those things. Most of the things I say on the podcast, I love being proven wrong. I love being proven wrong in instances like this. So hopefully it's not the case. But, um, you know. Stay safe, been, stay vigilant, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, fuck, man. Oh, my God. This is ridiculous. And if this, you're taking anything away, insane. look, if you hear if you hear some some noises upstairs, go check it out. For the love of fucking God, just check bring, it out. See what's happening. See what's happening. On. I'm afraid to go. I got to take a piss. Or, I'm afraid to leave my room now. There could just be a guy. No, standing there. don't. Yeah. Don't check it out. If you hear somebody get stabbed, call the cops. Run the hell well, out of the someone house. Someone in the Yahoo comment section. <laughs> I would like uh, at least be looked at. His name is Keen. He's like, look, you can't scream when you're dead or even alive after your lung diaphragm or vocal cords have been stabbed, slashed, or cut out. The killer was either oh very God. lucky or had good knowledge of anatomy and physiology. A student studying to be a nurse, doctor, or paramedic would be prime suspects. Wow. Right. That's get that guy on the pod. So, yeah. No, uh, get that guy get away that, from me. Get that guy in jail. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. Keen's Keen's available next week for a follow-up pod. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, we'll, good we'll, God. I'll, I'll, I'll reply I'll, to his comment. I'll yeah. keep you guys posted. All right, drop all the, right. We'll drop him the link oh, to this oh, episode no. as well. We'll end on the Yahoo commenter. Um, Drew, perfect, perfect thank spot. you for providing all this insight to the uh, murder mystery up in Idaho. Um, I hope our listeners enjoy it. <laughs> I mean, shit, we, we that, you know, on the genre for the Apple podcast, it says sports, but we might as well just put true crime there, at least for this episode. Yeah. I mean, look, oh, you put that in there, to. work that SEO, guys. I'm telling you, put it in the article you write SEO. about it, put a little You're brief right. rundown. I have all my notes here. I'll pass over to you and you SEO it. Um, and people will listen to it. I think we did a good job covering it. So thank you for having me on. I, I think we Absolutely. have all factual information. Um, I, I presented everything I had. I think uh, it'll be good to listen to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so to all of our listeners, listeners who have stuck through to the end, thank you for listening. Uh, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your shows. Obviously, thelibertyline.com is where we post all of our content. Eagles, Phillies, Sixers, even Flyers. I know we haven't talked about Flyers yet on this podcast, but in due time. In One due of these time. Days. Um, and even trending shit. Like, you know, our, our friend Drew here obviously covered um, – perfectly in my opinion so uh thank you all for listening thank you drew for joining us and um i usually end this on a go birds and uh, i i mean it's still go birds right so i guess i'll still end it on go birds so go birds go birds go birds, go birds. Go birds. shout out go sisters. birds <laughs>